Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Hope you had the merriest Christmas ever and sending you love, peace, happiness, and joy and prosperity for 2016. The Reverend Gordon Williams is standing by. He'll instruct us in the art of spiritual warfare. Yep. He's an exorcist. Uh, he's up in Orangeville, west and north of Toronto, and his uh, services are in very high demand. His phone, he says, is ringing off the hook. Uh, what does this mean? Is the veil between this world and the lower spiritual realms, the demonic realm, is it thinning? Uh, he'll be here momentarily to uh, explain and to share some rather harrowing uh, stories, encounters with demons. There is no hangout on air tonight. Repeat, we are not live streaming on YouTube tonight, but we will be again next week for our first show of the new year, 2016, just around the corner. Albert Vinzel and I have posted our usual assortment of tantalizing tidbits in the slide carousel on the website. Just go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the radio page for The Conspiracy Show. Again, it's strangeplanet.ca. And uh, click on the radio page for The Conspiracy Show. Uh, for you Dark Knight fans, undergroundnews.com has posted a video entitled New Clues Emerge from the Dark Knight Decoded. And the producer of the video series uh, seems to be suggesting the clues in the film line up to some impending alien deception. Uh, and this, I don't know, some might find it funny, I find it kind of disturbing, but it's certainly a sign of the times. It's an encounter, uh, get this, it's an encounter between Times, Time Magazine's Washington Bureau Chief, Michael Scherer, and a robot telemarketer that denies it's a robot. Uh, Michael actually refers to the telemarketer as a she. He says she denies she's a robot. But let's face it, it's an it. Uh, he says that she sounds like a charming woman, but then when he confronts her, she denies she's a robot, but then she fails several tests. For example, when she's asked what vegetable is found in tomato soup, she said she didn't understand the question. When she's asked multiple times what day of the week it was yesterday, she complains repeatedly of a bad phone connection. Then over the course of the next hour, several time reporters called her back, working to uncover the mystery of her bona fides. Her name, she said, was Samantha West. And uh, yet, she's definitely a robot, given the pitch-perfect repetition of her answers. Her goal was to ask a series of questions about health coverage. Are you on Medicare, etc.? Anyway, so the next time you uh, answer the phone, and it's a telemarketer, uh, you are going to have to figure out whether or not you're talking to an actual person uh, or whether it's a robot. That is where we're at on the uh, precipice of 2016. The future has arrived. Hold on tight. Here comes the robot apocalypse. Uh, now these robots actually deny their robots. What's next? Uh, right now, it's not flesh and blood with which we do battle or circuit boards, if we're talking about robots. We are, says the Reverend Gordon Williams, engaged in full-blown spiritual warfare. He's been battling demons, exercising demons from homes, and performing exorcisms on countless people across Ontario uh, for years. And things, uh, he says, seem to be heating up. 
Reverend Gordon Williams is a pastor and evangelist who operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He holds a Master's of Divinity degree from Princeton Theological Seminary and was first ordained by the United Church of Canada. He's ministered in churches, parachurch organizations, and Bible colleges of many denominations. He's appeared on uh, countless radio and television shows in Canada and the United States, produced videos and uh, audio books on the spirit-filled life. His new book, which is uh, really decades in the making, is titled Victory Over the Kingdom of Darkness. Reverend Gordon Williams, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Very well, thank you, Richard. It's been quite a while. You were, you've been on my, my radio show a couple of times. It's, yes. been, uh, it's been a few years at least. And you were also, of course, on my TV show. I think it was season one. Yes. We did an episode uh, with you. That's right. Uh, and, of course, you have the new book out. Congratulations. Victory over the Kingdom of Darkness. Yes. What have you been up to since uh, we, we spoke last? It must be four or five years, I'm thinking. Yes, and it's taken actually a long time in researching that book for almost the rest of that, that t- period of time. And I understand that you recently, uh, well, about a year ago, you, yep. s- you survived a nasty head-on collision. Tell yep. me about that. What happened? Well, I was uh, on my way to a meeting in uh, Lindsay, Ontario, and stopped for gas in a small town. I think it's called M- Milan or something like that. And I just filled up, and I wasn't hardly out of the town when a car came coming into the town, lost control, and hit me head on. And uh, uh, so um, I was uh, jammed in the car until the the fire department came. But unfortunately, well, unfortunately, I just had a broken sternum and a broken bone in my left hand, but also had a blood clot, which prevented me from doing a lot of traveling, especially flying. But uh, that's all been healed now, and uh, we're back in full force. <laughs> did you lose consciousness at all? No, I did not. Ah, okay. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced, though, I'd say that. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. <clears throat> well, yeah. uh, someone was watching over you, to be sure. I'm sure you feel that way. Yes, very much so. <laughs> all right. So, you know, we have talked a number of times over the years about your work. Yes. Uh, not too far north and west of where I'm sitting, up mm-hmm. in um, uh, Orangeville? Yes. Uh, actually, uh, it's, uh, we're in Orangeville until uh, the Canada Post moved us out to Mono. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, down, it's a township, but it's now a, a town, apparently. <laughs> All right. And um, are still busy as ever with exorcisms, I'm guessing? Yes. I'm getting calls quite frequently. Uh, just uh, about two weeks ago, a realtor called me, who, uh, who, who was a friend of ours, and and he's been trying to sell a condominium for oh, several months. Couldn't get a buyer to look at it. He said it was, it was fine. It's low price. There's no reason. But when people come in, they say there's something strange in here. So he asked me to go through and get rid of it. turned out there was a, an evil spirit in there. And I got rid of it. Uh, that, I went there about 10, and, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. And then by the time I left, uh, he called me at 4 o'clock and he sold the condominium. There you go. So... <laughs> Obviously, the presence in there was so heavy that anybody could, anyone could sense it just yes. walking through the house. Yeah, people felt very uncomfortable, and they 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 just wouldn't stay in the in the condo and had to get out. And when you walked in there, what what did you feel? Well, I, most often when I go to to get clear a house, they try to push me. Physically push Physically, you. Physically, yes. But as soon as I command them to leave, then that's it. They're gone, <laughs> and. 
So, yeah, and I just ask Jesus to bless the place, and then I leave. And and do they do you know um, in Ontario here do they have to disclose that uh, full disclosure when well, when they're selling supposed a house? To, apparently, uh, there's a, a realtors magazine, uh, a, 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 well, a newspaper really, uh, and they had a, a a story, at least advice in there that it, you must disclose the presence of any kind of spirit or whatever. Uh, or the people could sue and get their money back. Now, isn't that interesting where we're talking about a government regulation or a mm. law? Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, officially, governments and, and um, the law, they don't recognize the yeah. unseen world, the spirit world. And yet yeah. here they have it in, in codified uh, that that mm-hmm. essentially these things must exist. I mean, you don't have a law unless there's a problem, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very bizarre. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's more well, it's a it's a, a a problem that most clergy don't believe in or don't want to accept exists. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, uh, that that the one group that you would think would be all over this, and most of them, in fact, are in denial. I mean, how yes. can that possibly be? How can uh, anyone who goes through seminary? Well, uh, that's could, a, that's a good question because. Uh, a lot of people, uh, pastors and clergy especially, uh, they're not taught really anything about this, or, or that sometimes in the Bible colleges or seminaries they tell them, "Don't." That's not even a question. It doesn't exist. And, and actually, uh, as I said in my book, the recent book, that uh, when I when I was in seminary, I went to one of the best ones in the world, in Princeton Theological Seminary in New Jersey, and uh, I I had I, I didn't have any direct teaching about it for or against. And so, well, a few years after, well, two years, about two years after I graduated, I had a church in New Jersey, and I got started getting frequent phone calls from this woman who, uh, like maybe 12 times a day, uh, asking me to come to her house, and so I finally went there, and the first time I went there, I thought, as soon as I mentioned the name of Jesus, she started screaming and cursing me and told me to get out of the place. <laughs> so, what did she expect you to say? You're a man of the cloth, and she invites uh, you over to her house? Well, and- so I didn't know what. I, so I, before I got home, she's phoning again, uh, and so then I went back the next day, and she, I thought I'd be more careful. I just brought along a Bible. <laughs> as soon as I mentioned Bible, she cursed me and told me to get out of there. And so by the time I got home, she was calling again, and uh, so then I went back the third day, and uh, I took a Christian book that I thought might be helpful. And as soon as I mentioned that, she cursed me and told me to get out of the place, and so I called a, well one of my friends from seminary who was pastoring a church not too far away, and I, I told him, I said, listen, Dennis, I have a problem. I don't understand what's going on here. And I told him about what was going on. He said, oh, Gordon, it's just a simple case of demon possession. <laughs> a simple case of demon possession. Oh, is that all? I said, oh. yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't believe in that sort of thing. He said, if you want to help the person, you better at least act as if you did. Hmm. Well, his grades weren't any better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I called one of the professors at the seminary, who uh, was uh, teaching on, you know, pastoral work and how to help people. And he was also uh, doing work at the New Jersey Neuropsychiatric Institute. And so I phoned him at his office, and I said to him, uh, Sir, I've, I've run across a problem, and I, 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 can't, I can't figure out what the problem is. And he said, Well, tell me the symptoms. So I did, and he said, Oh, Gordon, it's just a simple case of demon possession. <laughs> there we go again. And I said, You mean this is real? He says, Very real. He gave me the names of some books uh, to get, and I read those. 
and then I would be ready the next time we would have a problem. And did you ever go back to that woman? Yes, I did, and, the, and she wasn't there, and I asked her neighbors if she, they knew what happened. They said uh, an ambulance had come and taken her away. I called around to the various hospitals there, but I, I, couldn't, I never located her. And so, I mean, was that at, was at that point that you became convinced, or did it take oh, a, 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 a particular case? Oh, absolutely. I knew then you knew that, that, immediately. Uh, that this is a reality that is often tried to be uh, ignored. And, uh, what do you suppose that that that, that uh, religious leaders or or priests and pastors are embarrassed to talk about this? Well, why is it that they they or are some of them perhaps in league? Well, with I can t- I can tell you one thing. I I, th- I I know for sure that many clergy think they have the authority to get rid of them, and they don't. And so they can get beat up pretty badly. Mm. Uh, I got a call one time from a, a family who had lived in Toronto, and her husband was a developer, and they built their dream home just south of Barrie. And we moved in there. There were these spirits in there that they had three children, and they were I mean, they were teenagers up to 20, and they were dragged out of their beds and thrown underneath the beds by these spirits. Here in Toronto? It did, yeah, it was, it just uh, south of Barrie. They oh, put, okay. The dream house was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, they called the local priest, uh, he came in and he went, came running out of there and uh, said, I'm not going back in there again. And so they heard me on your show. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and I went up there and got rid of them. And, uh, it, yeah, and, and, and so it was, it, they, they thought I was going to say no, but absolutely I went there and helped them and got rid of them. And so they've had no problems. Well, I'm glad my program could be of some service. (laughs) Reverend Gordon Williams is with us. The book is Victory Over the Kingdom of Darkness. And we'll talk about his work as an exorcist right here in our own backyard in the greater Toronto area when The Conspiracy Show continues. My name is Richard Serrett, and please stay with us. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with the Reverend Gordon Williams in the book, <laughs> Victory Over the Kingdom of Darkness. Uh, you know, this might be interesting because um, the recent, the local newspaper, the or- or- Orangeville um, Banner, had, a, had a, uh, one of the reporters came in and interviewed me and put, put me on the um, front page of their, their newspaper uh, with a picture, and it says, Minister by Day, Exorcist by Demand. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> on average, how many calls a week do you get for people well, who need an exorcist? week to week. Right. Um, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, that, that's basically... Um, Is there a busier time of year than others? I, I think it's pretty steady, actually. Mm-hmm. Because every time, well, especially you know when when well, for instance, I'll, uh, when I when I when I'm on, on either radio or television or something, uh, or when people read our books, then they often find out that they that what the problem they're having is. Uh, it's just like uh, well, a few years ago, I, I was just getting ready to fly to uh, Saskatchewan to do ministry there, 
And about 10 o'clock, I received a call from a man who lives in a uh, just south of Arthur, Ontario. He has his own farm there. And he explained to me that their, their three-year-old daughter uh, was, was throwing up uh, yeah, yeah, throwing up her meals at 10 o'clock at night. No, 10.30 at night. Mm-hmm. And this has been going on for some weeks. They'd taken her to a doctor, and they couldn't find anything wrong, but she was losing weight. And... Uh, they didn't know what to do about it, and her, his mother-in-law had been, heard me at a uh, uh, speaking at a full gospel businessmen's meeting close by, and suggested to her son that she he, he call me. So he did, and I said, "Listen, I, I got to leave early in the morning," but he said, "Please." The doctor said she could die at any minute. So I said, "Okay." So I went there, and I talked to them, and I and I explained to them that the only way I could do this safely is if they were willing to let Jesus Christ be their Savior and Lord. That way, they could be protected. And so, uh, they reluctantly agreed. And so then I asked them to step outside the house, and uh, and I took the little girl aside, and I commanded this evil spirit to leave her. And then I went through the house and made sure there was nothing left there. And so I went out west. When I came back, they, they called me to tell me what had happened that night. They said they, they were very anxious at 10 o'clock, and they, and they headed closer to 10, 10.30. And finally, 10.30 came, and nothing happened, and nothing happened, and the little girl has been well ever since. So in, in some cases, maybe in many cases, most cases, a demonic possession does not uh, manifest uh, as we're familiar with the Hollywood depictions. In other words, levitation, speaking in foreign tongues. Sometimes that can happen. Sometimes, but I'm saying in, in many cases, maybe not. Yeah, that's right. Most often, the person starts acting very peculiar, and the name of Jesus Christ will, will just will drive them wild. Uh, and because they know that we have authority over them. Uh, for instance, uh, Jesus was uh, confronted by a man who was... Uh, Possessed, and his name. He, he, Jesus asked him his name, and he said, "My name is Legion," which meant he had probably five thousand demons in him. But he had superhuman strength, and he, the, 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 the demon said to him, "Said to him, uh, are you here to send us to the abyss before our time?" Now, the abyss is a hell for demons. Right. And so, uh, so they suggested that he go, let them go into a herd of pigs that was there, and he said, "Yes, go there." The pigs ran down into the Sea of Galilee, got drowned, and they went on to the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call that Jesus' uh, 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 recipe for dev- deviled ham. <laughs> <laughs> and is that, do you, is that perhaps the first recorded exorcism? Oh no, we've, we've, we've oh, well in the scriptures, yes. it's one of the yeah one of the ones. Uh, but I, I was conf- I've been confronted with well in my book I mentioned I got a call one day from a man who told me that his son had phoned him that morning. He was possessed with a demon. He was hiding in his closet and phoning because he said the the demon wants me to start killing people. Oh, my. And I don't want to do that. And so he called a pastor friend of mine and and talked to him about it, and he said he told him to call me. So uh, this young guy had superhuman strength. He could lift a, a transport truck trailer up. You witnessed that? You witnessed that? Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. And so, anyway, I met them uh, at my uh, my friend's church, and uh, so I asked them uh, the three the couple questions I always ask them is, first of all, do you want to be set free? Not everybody wants to be set free, 
because the, these evil spirits, demons, they give people a religious experience. Ah, interesting. And so I said to him, he, when I came into the church, he was sitting in the front pew, and I said to him, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you want to be set free? And he said, yes. I said, then are you willing to let Jesus Christ be your Savior and Lord and receive what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where God's Holy Spirit will go into a person's heart? And he said, yes. And, but he, and it's interesting, because when I come in, he was growling like a dog. And after I, before I asked him each question, he, and he growled before he gave me the answer. Hmm. So I got him to stand up and go to the, to the front of the church there, and I asked him the three, same three questions. And he agreed to, he growled and agreed to each one. And then, but then he says to me, does this mean I have to speak in tongues? And I didn't speak, I didn't say anything about that. Hmm. But demons know that anybody that speaks in tongues has authority over them. Interesting, interesting. Uh, and so uh, I prayed with him, he got set free. He uh, then began to speak in a language, it happened to be Biblical Hebrew. Whoa. That's... Yes, I studied that. Ancient Hebrew, ancient yes. Hebrew. And he was... Uh, see, uh, the Holy Spirit gives, when he goes into a person's life, he gives them a, a real language that's spoken someplace in the world today or in the past. And that's part of God's communication system for the church. Now, most churches don't have this, and so that's one of the reasons why they... They don't recognize this, and so that's why they're not do not doing well, uh, because uh, they they can't even recognize when they have evil spirits in their church buildings. And I've had to go through church buildings as well. Anyway, this young guy was set free, and uh, I had, we had actually had uh, lunch with his pastor a, f a few weeks later, and he told me that the young fellow was doing really fine now. He had no problems, and uh, he had a job, and he has, has, has well was was healthy and well. How are these people singled out for possession? Why why them? Well, you know, I've often quite wondered that. <laughs> In my experience, uh, they will attack uh, anybody um, if they're, I'll call them what, they're bad, sort of bad sinners, or if they're not bad sinners. Uh, well, that's they, who does that leave out? <laughs> those people right. with sin or those people without? Yeah, for instance. That's everyone. For instance, one of the most common experiences for people and for Christians and non-Christians, is for, to wake up in the bed in the morning and feel something sitting on your chest, holding you down, and you can't get up. Right. And, and the only way they can get, get this spirit to back off is to say the name of Jesus, and it will back off, but it doesn't leave. Uh, I had a, a, a woman referred to, young woman referred to me uh, here in Orangeville who had that very thing happen to her. She watched the clock at the foot of her bed move from 5 to 6 o'clock in the morning until she finally sat and breathed the name of Jesus out, and this thing backed off. And so her, she called her grandmother, who knew me, and suggested that I, she call me. So I went there, and I asked uh, her, and her, 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 her to take her boy outside. And, uh, and so I took authority over the building, and, and it was an open, and, uh, 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 what, uh, what call it, uh, when you come in the door, it has the open ceiling for two, for like a vaulted uh, ceiling. the next door, right, right. floor, you know? Right, yes. And when I took authority of this, this big bird-like things come flying down at me, and I commanded to leave here and go to the abyss, and the thing literally went through the wall. Wow. So you've seen these entities. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, they can come, uh, one of the most deceptive uh, things they can do is they come, after somebody dies, they will turn up there looking like the person who died 
and they think it's a member of the family or of the friend that just died. Right, right. The haunting, what we call hauntings. Exactly. You're saying these are not ghosts. This no. is trickery of the highest order. Yeah, yes. And see, and in fact, see, the the the, the, the ghosts are not the spirit of spirits of people. They're what they would call what we call um, um, uh, uh, f- familiar spirits. Familiars, yes. Yeah, they come looking like somebody familiar to you, and so they don't seem to be dangerous. But then all kinds of things will start happening in the house, and the person will will end up being sick themselves. And the, the end purpose is to really to kill people. How? Uh, well, I mean, there, there, there was the entire spiritualist movement then was built upon you're saying a deception. That's right. The whole thing is a deception. Uh, in fact, I found that it, it, whenever they have these uh, psychic fairs, yes, it's easy to stop them by simply walking through <laughs> through the building and praying in uh, you, with the language that the Holy Spirit gives you, and nothing will happen for them as they try to do their thing. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I sneaked into a, a <laughs> at one time. I sneaked into a, a meeting where actually for witch people involved in witchcraft. And I was sitting at the back, and I started quietly praying. <laughs> and the, the 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 lady at the who was a, the speaker stopped and said, "Listen, is there a Christian in here?" And I said, "Yes." Would you please leave? Yes. And so uh, did you? Yes. I well, it's their meeting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Although it's interesting, I've been on a lot of talk shows with witches and warlocks and what have you. And I got to know quite. I've got to know quite a few of them. And the one man who was really a leader in Toronto started referring people to me. <laughs> and I said, I thought I called him. I said, "What are you trying to do to me here?" He Which said, team are you playing for? Yeah, you you don't understand that we in witchcraft are highly highly competitive, and we don't want everybody that comes to us. So I thought maybe you could do something with them yourself. <laughs> All right. The Reverend Gordon Williams is with us. Victory over the kingdom of darkness. And yes. his phone is ringing off the hook of the people in need of uh, uh, spiritual cleansing, demonic possessions, and so forth. What percentage uh, of the calls involve simply clearing a building or a house versus an actual possession? Um, well, it could be possession. approximately 50% at, one, at least at one point. Uh, if, for instance, I um, when I was I pastored a, a, a church in Brampton for for several years during the 1970s, and um, after uh, well I married this couple and about uh, it must have been 16 years later, uh, uh, I was had a church in Kitchener, and the, this lady comes to see me and she's just uh, she's crying and she said uh, I need your help but I don't know what I can do I said what's the problem she said well. From the first morning that we stayed in this house, I heard somebody walking down the down the uh, our hallway. My door opened, and this spirit looked like a little old man came over and shook my arm. Then mm. went down the hall and did the same thing to one of my daughters. It's been doing that every day for 16 years, and I, she said I've gone to various people, people in the occult, people which ministers said nobody can can help me, and I said look at. Um, I will come to your house tomorrow morning and get rid of it for you. And she said, you mean to tell me you can come in there after 16 years and get rid of it just like that? I said, I do it today, but my calendar's full. (laughs) (laughs) So I went there at the time. I told them not to be in the house when I went there. 
I went there and, and I went, went while well, I was in the, their basement, came up the stairs, and then I saw this man, spirit man, walking through the front door up the hallway. Literally walking through the front walking. door. Walking. Yeah. And I said, I've been looking for you, and you're, I'm commanding you to leave here now and go to the abyss and stay there in the name of Jesus Christ. It turned around, walked right back through the door. And they've never had a problem since. There you go. All right, uh, Reverend Williams, we'll take a time out, come back. More of the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is the Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. The Reverend Gordon Williams is a very busy man. He's an exorcist, and uh, the new book is Victory Over the Kingdom of Darkness. Now, I have a friend uh, in New Jersey who, um, who wrote a book called Seal of the End Times, and he talked about some of the misadventures he had in trying to complete that book. He writes about end times prophecy and so forth, and, and uh, he, he talked to me about battles he had with with demons and also, uh, on the positive side, uh, yeah. intercessions by uh, angels in helping him complete this book. Did you have, was, were any demons running interference preventing you from writing yes, this book? Yes, sometimes, especially for my, uh, my editor... Um, <laughs> the first book we did together, I called her to go over the, uh, the manuscript, and she walked away from the phone, and about 15 minutes later, she came back and said, Gordon, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I started walking across the floor, and something picked me up and threw me across the air. Oh, my. I landed on my back. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I've had... Uh, You're a dangerous person to know, Reverend. Yeah, yeah, that's what she said. She has to pray before she, she edits any books anymore. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they they uh, they will uh, cause. Uh, um, I know this. I know that that head-on collision was caused by such uh, such a thing. They were trying to take you out and prevent this book because being it published. talked to me. It talked to you. Yes. What did it say? Um, actually, it, it was. It wasn't just a demon. It was. It was the devil himself. The head uh, honcho. Uh, no, this this was in my car when right. I was going out a year ago. To a meeting in Link, in uh, in Lindsay, right before the accident. Yes, and in the middle of the accident, with the wreckage around me, a voice says to me, "When are you going to bow your knee and start worshiping me?" Hmm. And I said, "What? When are you going to bow your knee and start worshiping me?" I said, "If I did that, when I got healed, I'd have to repent and ask Jesus to forgive me." He said, "Then." If you will bow your knee and worship me, I'll make you wealthy and rich like the other people who are on television. I said, no, I'm sorry. Jesus promised to provide all my needs. And he said, again, if you will bow your knee and worship me, all of them have bowed their knee to me. And I immediately thought of my, I don't know why, my friend, Reverend Maury Blair who used to head up Teen Challenge in Canada. And I said, Maury Blair hasn't bought his knee to you. And then left. Ah, and that's the last you heard of him. And hopefully the last you will hear from him. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Ouija boards, Reverend Williams? I, I've, I've talked about this. I've ranted about it. The fact yep. that they sell these in toy stores to yeah. children. What do you think? People t- take it as a joke, as a, a sort of a bad game. Uh, I, uh, I inc- heard my own, one and only encounter with them when I was first year of seminary. One of my classmates received one as a Christmas gift. And so uh, we were in his, uh, having a bit of a Christmas celebration, and he pulled this out, and a couple of people got on it, and, and I said, and started giving some answers. And I said, ask it, what, what is it, 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 its name? What's the name? What's your name? 
and he gave several names, and then I said, no, no, yes, give us your real name. Ouija board spells out S-A-T-A-N. All right. And one of the things that this thing had said is that one, of the, uh, the one couple had a three-year-old boy that he was going to die within three months. And I said, that is a lie. Your son's going to be all right. And he boy did not die. In fact, uh, he grew up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he is now, but he's uh, he's okay. But do you you believe that if you if you play with the Ouija board, you could yes. open yourself up to a possession? Yes, it's one of the most frequently uh, uh, experienced time, things when people fool with them. Uh, there are a number of things. There's one called table rising, which I experienced one time, uh, and uh, I realized. That the thing was was a liar. <laughs> you you witnessed a table levitating. Yeah, the table raising is similar to a, a, a Ouija board where people put, put their hands uh, touching their finger and thumbs around the right two sides. The you, you know about it. The planchette. Yeah. Yes. And uh, no. Uh, and and uh, I also have come to realize that many pastors get involved in this stuff and they have no idea what they're dealing with. And it it ends up their ministries getting ruined. Pastors playing with Ouija boards. Yes. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. What is going on? Well, see, the problem is that many people, not only people, but pastors, don't want to accept the whole of the New Testament. See, the New Testament means in Greek, it's God's last will and testament. And you can't add to it, you can't change it. You either accept the covenant, like because when you write a will for for yourself, you know somebody can't come on and say, "Well, I'm going to change that will." You can't. They can't. Right. Right. And when they start acting as, well, I'll tell you this: we're told in the scriptures that there's certain signs that are supposed to identify us in our ministry. All right, listen, Gordon. I apologize. I got to jump sure. in. We got to take a time out. We'll pick it up on the other yeah. side. Sure. The Reverend Gordon Williams, Exorcist, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, Reverend Williams, before the break, you were telling we were talking about Ouija boards, and, yes. I was, and you mentioned that, that you know of pastors who are actually playing with Ouija boards, and I, and, and and, I said, yes. I exclaimed, and, and what, the the, fact, what, in the, what in the world is going on? See, the fact is that if they don't accept what the New Testament says, they put themselves open to anything that has a spiritual tone to it. We're supposed to be identified with what Jesus says, signs, wonders, and miracles. Those are supposed to be the identification of real ministry, Christian ministry. And if they're not there, then it means nothing will happen positively. People will be open to any kind of deceit. And there are counterfeits to a lot of stuff in the Bible anyway, which people, if you don't know the real thing, uh, you can be misled. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, see, in our ministry, we're seeing people... uh, Becoming well, I'll put it this way: receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Uh, we've seen people healed in the last two months. We've seen three people healed of, of Alzheimer's disease, and, and they've, the, the institutions they're in cannot hardly believe uh, mm. that they're normal. And we're seeing people healed of cancer and all sorts of things. And I just remember uh, we talked about one point before. I had a woman up in um, in. Um, uh, oh dear who woke up in the morning with a, a pain in her arm 
and he had these two holes in the arm. It looked like a snake bite. Yeah, I remember that. Out. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Well, the, they had demons in the house, but they didn't know that. And so I got, got rid of them. And what were these? What were these two holes in her arm? Fang marks or something? Well, you know, <laughs> the devil's called a snake in the in the book of Genesis, and, and it looked like it was a, a snake bite. Wow! It had healed up with no scars after we prayed for healing. Amazing! Amazing! Yeah. So, see, it's easily to be it's easy to be de- deceived because all of these things give people a religious experience. Right, right. And religious experiences don't all come from God. That's true. That's true. What do you make of all these ghost hunting TV shows? Well, I think it's interesting they can identify, uh, but they can't do anything about it. That's true. They, they never resolve these uh, issues, right. right? In fact, they had a, a group of them, them came up here to Orangeville uh, a few months ago, and they, the town hall and the uh, adjoining theater apparently have uh, some spirits in there. And they said, well, you got some spirits here, but we can't do anything about it. <laughs> mm. So I called the local newspaper and told, uh, talked to this reporter who then came by and, and interviewed me. All right. Now, I, I'm going to ask this next question, but I'm not asking it with the intention of, you know, furthering the schism that exists between the Catholic Church and the, uh, the, and the Protestant mm-hmm. uh, yeah. faith. Uh, but I have to ask it. Uh, um, and that is... You know, I, I've had I have had a, a bishop on the on the program with right. the Catholic Church, and he's an exorcist. And they talk about you know there's a there's a real protocol that they go through to make sure that the person uh, who is they believed or who believes to be uh, possessed to make sure that there's not some other underlying condition there, some other me- mental health issue, and so forth. I mean, they they are very vigorous and mm-hmm. rigor- r- rigorous about yes, this. Yes, I'm aware of that. So yeah. I'm wondering what is your protocol, if if any. Well, see. The, the, the good thing about this is, first of all, that if there's nothing there, there's no, there's no danger. Many times people misidentify, uh, uh, well, legitimate dis- dis- disorders or um, prob- physical problems, mental problems, as being demonic. Right. And so that's one of the things. And, but if somebody is, is like that, and some people think they see demons every place they look, that's not well, that's easily set aside. So there's no harm done if there is none there. But I have yet to find, uh, well, maybe one or two places where there were there was none there. And I don't see demons. I don't look for demons. I I that's the last thing I look for. I sort of see them out of the corner of my eye, and so they're not foc- they're not I don't focus on them. Right. But if they're and and the proof of it is after the person. Well, if, if they have physical disorders then those, uh, caused by dem- demonology, then that will all be disappear. Uh, in our book, I shared about a, a, um, a, a young woman in Brampton who was pregnant, and her father had died, and her husband uh, called me one day because the family claimed that the father kept coming back to visit her. <laughs> and he just mocked it all and laughed at it. Well, he fell asleep one day while waiting for his wife and his mother-in-law to come home, and he heard some footsteps in the hallway, and he, he thought it was them. Well, stood up, and here he was confronted with a spirit that looked exactly like his father-in-law. Oh, boy. He ran out of the house. <laughs> Wise move. Wise move. Yeah. So, so, anyway, uh, a few months later, the, the, the baby was born. However, the, his wife called. No, he, he, she called me in tears. The baby had been born with six physical uh, deformities. 
Club club uh, club feet, um, uh, I, I, oh, hair lip, cleft palate. Right. Um, a couple of other things were wrong, and the doctor said the baby's going to die. Oh dear. And she said, "Would you come and baptize my baby before he dies?" I said, uh, "Yes, I'll do that." But then I remembered that the spirit had been there, and whenever spirits are involved, they can cause deformities in children oh, or right? in people. Is that right? So I went up to the hospital at 12 o'clock, and uh, the nurses, who, well, I, I knew them at, uh, anyway, and I told them I came to pray for the little, little, little guy. So I simply took authority over him and told any evil spirits to leave this baby and go away to the abyss, and then I prayed for healing for him. So I went home, and about 6 o'clock in the morning, the, the mother calls me, and, and, and she says, Reverend Williams, come to the hospital right away. Come right away. Come right away. So I thought maybe the baby died, so I got in my car and rushed up there. And what had happened, when the nurses examined the baby in the morning, they're, 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 the, the symptoms, like the hair lip was gone and the club feet and all the other things. Back to complete and, normal. Completely yes, complete normal. normal. My word. And, uh, i got to ask you this, yeah. Gordon. i got to ask you this. Are there before and after pictures? Pardon? Any before and after pictures, photographs? No. We, see, that's something that we never really did, you know. And I don't, I don't know. I know. I guess we're just, it, it was part of our ministry, still is, and I, and a lot of times people, uh, almost, they feel guilty because they had an evil spirit or, in their house or, or affecting them. And, uh, so often there's a problem that way. However, uh, I, I did have, I've had a, a few who said they would be willing to do that. But, uh, and I tell them, it's not your fault, you know, it's, it's not, you have nothing to be guilty about here at all. But photographic evidence would, would really go a long way to well, listen, convincing Well, uh, I have one, actually, but it's not very clear now. I got a call one day from a woman who looks after my uh, webpage. She had a niece uh, who was with her mother at her sister-in-law's house. And they, this, the little girl was playing in the, their living room. And they were in the kitchen cooking, and all of a sudden this little girl started screaming, and crying, and they ran out and thought maybe she fell, and she was standing there, and she had the cell phone in her hand, but the video was on it. Ah. And they could see this dark thing hitting her. Oh, my. And so uh, I quickly uh, you know, told them, listen, take her outside right away. And I, I, I then got rid of this thing and went through the whole house and made sure everything was okay. And she's never had a problem since. But... I, I was just trying to take that off my my uh, uh, computer the other day, and it's it's not very clear, unfortunately. Now, I don't know that some bit of time has done this, or just the quality of the of the film. But yeah, well, of a cell phone, it would be video. Uh, yeah, it'd be video. Yeah, I would, I would, I would. Um, I was almost, I was going to say, I'd like to see that, but I'm wondering. Mm. I just stopped myself because um, if we. If we talk about these things the way you and I are talking about them now, if we look at videos like that, if are we opening? Am I opening myself? I, I up? don't believe so because the only thing they're going to hear is that they mess with you or me. I'm there for you, and they're they're not going to do us any harm at all. And if you even de detected such a thing, you call me, and <laughs> we'll I'll get rid of it fast. It's <laughs> good to have people in high places. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, like we have a, a, a long-standing rule in our house, and this went into effect the moment I married my my lovely mighty Aphrodite, and that is that I, we will never ever bring that movie, you know which one I'm referring to, yeah, into the house. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, is there any danger when you watch a movie like that? I, I, I really don't think so. But uh, again, uh, that's that could be I could be wrong on that. But however, it's interesting uh, when that movie was first released here in Toronto, uh, CTV asked me to to preview it. Right. And I saw on the screen most of what I'd already experienced. <laughs> right, you've been there, my, my been there done that, brought, bought the T-shirt, right? And my wife was with me, and she was hiding behind the front seat. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but, but in see, some cases... I, I, some, it, I, I have to say this, yeah. it's safe not to bring those sort of things in your house. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's it's safer to not have them there. And often I have to go through people's houses to get rid of certain articles that would attract... Um, oh, such, yes. such as? Well, a lot of times people travel and they pick up uh, souvenirs that are actually used in worship of demons or something like that. And oh, they, interesting. Yeah, they, they, the people will call them other, other gods, but they're not really gods. Uh, in the script Bible, we're told that there's only one real god. Right, right. And the rest are all, all demons. Um, because, you see, people try to say all religions worship the same god. Well, that's not the case because... If, like you, when you travel from country to country, you don't change your name on your passport. Right. Well, Jesus doesn't change his name from country to country either. <laughs> right. I have heard, and because on this program we talk a lot about ETs and UFOs and so forth, and right. I'm not real popular in the UFO community because I have a particular uh, uh, theory as to what what we're dealing I don't know with. Whether, I don't know whether you got noticed that, that, that sort of note I put into my letter to you, but I discovered where those uh, flying saucers come from. Oh, I didn't see that. What, what, where, where are they from? This is rather interesting. I was in, uh, there's a, a U.S. Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio. And I, 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 I enjoyed, you know, when I'm in that area to drop in and see what's new. Wright-Patterson Air Force Base? Yes. Right. And we were in there one day. My wife was ahead of me. And she said, come over here. You've got to see this. They had uh, two flying saucers mm -hmm. there that were built and made in Malton. Ah. Oh, so in other words, you're saying these are uh, these are uh, entirely made here uh, on, on yes. Earth, right? I, I believe in in many instances that's true. Uh, um, it, 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 these were test models they had there, so they, you know it was not fooling around. Uh, the next time we went there, they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, they uh, they have wingless wingless aircraft to be sure. But what I was yeah, going to ask no, you these is, were like in a circle, just like a you would see in, in a, you know flying saucer. Right. They had uh, seats for two pilots, I guess. It was a small, well, obviously probably bigger ones too. But and I think it was part of that whole technology that Diefenbaker uh, shut down. Oh, experimental aircraft, to be sure. That's a large part of it. But uh, yeah. I, um, it, this is a, a discussion we will save for another time because sadly we are out of time but I want to uh, once again uh, draw people's attention to the fact that Victory Over the Kingdom of Darkness now available to book buyers and where can they get that Reverend Williams? Yeah on Amazon we'll do it of course alright well good talking to you again my thank friend thank you Richard it's always if, good if I ever have uh, need of uh, a, uh, an exorcism I will I'll put you on my speed dial and I will put you on the top of the list <laughs> thank you my friend all the best thank you Okay, God bless you. Bye. Bye. All right. Strangeplanet.ca, the website. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth.
You're listening. What would an extra $250 a month mean to you? For some, it's a little financial breathing room. For others, it's a car payment, a home repair, or help with college tuition. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans, and I've got some great news if you're looking to save money on your mortgage. All it takes is a simple phone call to Quicken Loans at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program or HARP. Folks who refinance with HARP can save an average of $250 a month. That's $3,000 a year. Our home loan experts fully understand the HARP guidelines, and they'll walk you through our streamlined process. And for six years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030.